20% increase of cyclists in the month of May compared to figures last year and the council responded by delivering new four kilometre cycle lanes from Sandy Cove to Blackrock. It truly is uh, a Can you hear me? Bicycle yeah, I can lane. hear you. Okay, that's good. Cool. Biking has also grown more popular because it's one of the few forms of exercise allowed in many lockdowns. With gyms and fitness centres shut down, biking fills a need for many active people. Families appreciate biking too. When the schools were closed, kids were unable to hang out with their friends. Biking is a welcome activity, so they will be able to cycle with their friends in the fresh air. But bikes are also very practical. Experts say the people in some cities, roughly 60% of their trips can be made by bike. Many cities are seeing this as an opportunity to take to the streets for safer and greener cities. Cities around the world are adding miles and miles of bike lanes to their streets to encourage biking. For example, my dad sometimes cycles to work these days. New York says it will close up to 100 miles of roads so they can be used by bikers and walkers. Oakland, California plans to close 120 kilometers to traffic. That's almost 10% of the streets in the city. Though many of the, these bike lane additions are temporary, if changes in biking habits become permanent, they could seriously cut down car traffic and help make greener cities. Thank you. Thank you, Louis. Now we have a live interview with local Green Party councillor Schaefer of Whelan. Welcome to the show, councillor. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for having me on. All right, it's a pleasure to have you. So our first question for you is the introduction of the Black Rock to a 40-foot coastal cycle path has been met with both praise and criticism. On one hand, the path facilitates the ever-growing number of cyclists on the road encourages people to reduce their carbon emission. On the other hand, many have raised concerns over increased traffic and commuting times over the new one-way systems implemented as a result of the cycle path. What plans are in place if this worry becomes a reality, and how can the council achieve a balance of encouraging cycling without creating severe traffic congestion? Yeah, that's, that, that's a good question, Matthew, because it's been uh, kind of controversial over the last few months. Um, and kind of going back to what uh, Louis said in his report there, um, you know, the cycling has been great for, for exercise, for meeting friends, um, for health, for kind of um, for our missions as well. But what I think what I see the cycle lanes as is primarily an issue of safety. Um, more people have died this year on our roads um, than last year, I think around a third of them are people who are walking and cycling. And we really can't accept that as a status quo anymore. So what the bike lanes do is it, it protects, um, you know, people who aren't as confident, children uh, and others, um, and it allows more people to, to, to cycle. Um, about the, the traffic, it definitely was a big issue uh, when the bike lane was introduced. Um, I think it's becoming less of an issue now in the medium term. And from a broader perspective, I suppose, we'll never have as many cars as we do have now on the road. It's only going to go down. So um, we have to start planning for that. Um, but kind of to answer your question properly, there will be a review. Um, and if the cons outweigh the pros, then there's a chance um, the cycle lane will go. I really hope that it doesn't because I think it's, I think it's really been brilliant for the area. Thank you. Um, do you think that the mental health support structure in place is adequate for young people, particularly during lockdown? Um, 
No, not really. But I also don't have a, a proper solution for you. Um, like I don't, I don't think it's been adequate. Um, but I don't know what kind of thing specifically um, the government would do for young people. I would say though that certain restrictions impact like people are. If I can be so bold as to include myself in your age group, just as young people, um, like things like meeting our friends. Um, you know, going to the gym, going to do exercise. I think there's a narrative in the media that kind of young people just want to go drink, which you know, I don't think is necessarily true. Um, I think primarily we just want to see our friends. Um, and like, I don't know, just small things like these are formative years in our lives, like just getting to see your girlfriend or boyfriend or just going out and getting a shift on the weekend. Like those things we haven't been able to do. And you know, those are the kind of things that, that, that improve our mental health. So I think, um, you know, hopefully when we open up, there'll be, there'll be more opportunity for that. Thank you. And the government's new climate change bill was criticised before a joint committee of Oireachtas, in part for lacking ambition in addressing Ireland's climate change crisis, specifically committing the government to pursue rather than to achieve its 2050 climate goals. Do you think the government's climate plans lack ambition? Yeah, so I wouldn't say that they lack ambition. I mean, a lot of the stuff the government has implementing or will implement like the retrofitting and transport and green energy are, are quite ambitious i would say though that you're right on the climate bill itself it's kind of a framework for future governments um, and i think that really needs to be tightened up a lot and um, like as you say about pursue that really needs to be changed to achieve there needs to be kind of more legally binding language um, and changes to some of the, the phrases in it um, and there needs to be things like penalties for ministers who don't meet their uh, or comply with the, the guidelines. Um, what I would say as well, the current stage of that is pre-legislative scrutiny, so it hasn't entered the formal bill-making stage or law-making stage. Um, so it's kind of an opportunity for other politicians and experts to tease out the issues, and then it'll go back to the minister, and hopefully he will redraft it differently, um, and then it will be entered formally into the process. But um, there are definitely a few a few areas that can be strengthened. Good point. Uh, do you think COVID-19 and the lockdown has helped or hindered Ireland in reaching its carbon emission goals? I think it's helped, um, but kind of not structurally, I suppose. It's, it's kind of been temporary, once-off help. Um, and I think what we need to do now is to actually make those temporary changes permanent. So things like the cycling we were talking about, things like working from home, uh, things like less people flying, um, these are all good things, but unless there's kind of uh, an effort made to um, to make them permanent or, you know, to keep them going to some extent, then it's not really going to make a difference just delaying the inevitable climate crisis. One thing as well, kind of a softer thing, I suppose, is I, I feel like people have changed, like there's been a mental shift into how we think about our lives and what we think about is necessary and not necessary. So. I think that has helped in a way of, of changing public opinion. But, um, yeah, as I said, I think, I think we need structural change um, rather than it, it's, it's only a temporary change at the minute. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you tell a young person thinking of going into politics? Good question. I, I, I will say it's, it's, it can be tough. Um, but it is very empowering to kind of see things you want changed happening. Um, I'd also say... Um, like I, I'm not going to be very partisan here. I, I'd say as well, um, there are other ways of getting involved in making change that aren't just politics, like things like protests and, and you know 
getting organised for campaigns and contributing to, to single issue campaigns. Um, it's not just politics, but you can try change things. Um, and I would say play to your own strength in that respect, because um, you know politics isn't for everyone. But um, there are ways that you can help. Whatever you're good at, like whether you're an engineer or, or an urban planner or whatever, like there there are ways to contribute to to, to uh, climate action, uh, and it's not just politics. Mm -hmm. um, Dublin city centre is frequented by congestion and traffic. Do you feel a better public transport system could help improve this issue? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, hopefully the, the Bus Connect plan, which is kind of a plan to change around the roads and give priority to buses and make services more frequent, excuse me, hopefully that will um, improve things a lot. Um, I think another big issue with the city centre is um, the pedestrianisation trials that have been happening there. Um, and they're not just not even just about reducing congestion and traffic. I think they've been good for business. Um, they've been good for for uh, kind of people's experience of the city centre, you know, you're not dodging cars the whole time. It's very relaxed and pleasant. Um, and like even just going on experience in Black Rock Village, like it's been a, it's been fantastic for the local businesses. They've all done real well out of the one-way system. I think people really like all the, the street furniture and just more space for to walk around. Um, so I think it's good on a lot of fronts. But um, certainly the, the public transport. Hopefully those changes will be coming soon. Okay. Mm, and some reports show that the use of Irish language in Grail Talks is decreasing. How would this problem be tackled? That's a very tough question because it seems like that's been a problem for the entire the entire history of the state. Um, I don't have a, a hard and fast solution for you, but I think one thing uh, that's important to do is to actually economically support um, people in Grail Talks areas um, so that they can stay there and keep using the language because that there aren't that many opportunities there at the minute. Um, I think another thing is, for, I know everyone says it's to do with education. I don't think forcing it on people is the way to kind of, you know, give people a joy in speaking Irish. Um, like I, the main reason I like Irish or, or speak it every once in a while is because I, I learned from the Gaeltas and really enjoyed my time there. Um, and I think, like, it's just very, uh, it can be very... Um, to try speak Irish, especially, you know, it, it's much easier if you try just literate into your language, into your English speaking or whatever, and use it every once in a while rather than trying to, you know, have full conversations in Irish. So I think just, just having it as part of your day-to-day -day life, um, I know that's not something, you know, that's not going to change the world, but uh, I think it's, the government could promote that in some way and kind of, you know, reform the education around it would, would help a lot. Mm, interesting, yeah. And Ireland is a country that is rapidly changing. Does this urbanisation threaten our biodiversity? That's a good question, because you'd think it would. Um, I, I kind of think the opposite. Um, I think our model of urbanisation in Ireland uh, to date has been very bad for biodiversity. We've focused on this urban sprawl. Uh, We've focused on this dream of kind of home ownership and you know, owning your detached or semi-detached house in the suburbs and, like, just thinking about, you think about Dublin city centre, there's, you know, beautiful five or six-storey Georgian buildings and then kind of once you move out of that uh, all the way to kind of, like, Bray or even Greystone, you've got these two-storey two houses and there really should be some kind of 
uh, densification closer to the centre. I mean, Blackrock is probably suited to two-storey houses, but you know, the, there's a whole area between Blackrock and the city centre that should probably be denser, um, and in that way, we won't be, you know, sprawling out further into the countryside, which would be very detrimental to biodiversity today. Okay. Um, a final question for you. Uh, in 2016, the Green Party introduced a bill into the Oireachtas to create an elected mayor of Dublin. How would this be beneficial? Yeah, so um, so the like, situation now is that mayors are kind of on, you know, 12, they rotate every 12 months, and it's a really opaque and kind of really opaque process where political parties kind of divvy up being mayor and like one takes a go every year and I, I don't think a lot of people are aware of that um, and I, th I think it would be much better if there was you know a directly elected mayor that people actually had a say on rather than political parties divvying it up um, and as well that was the, the, that proposal there <coughs> excuse me uh, would be for a mayor for all of Dublin and there's four local authorities in Dublin which each have their mayor at the minute um, and I think when we think of Dublin, we also think of the whole county, and that's how we should coordinate and plan things, rather than just um, you know four areas within Dublin trying to coordinate together. Uh, there should be one who has real power, but also real accountability, um, so that if they do things right, they get the praise, but if they do things wrong, uh, they can be kicked out of office. That's how I see it anyway. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh, that's all we have for you today. I'd like to thank you for coming on. Thanks a million for having me, Matthew. Yeah, thank you. Uh, now we have a live interview. Er, now we have a special report from Will Donnelly on COVID-19's effect on climate change. Since the discovery of COVID-19 in January and the declaration of it being a pandemic, it's not surprising that for many people, companies and countries, issues surrounding the climate have fallen out of main priority. This, of course, is understandable, but the climate is still an issue. So what has been happening with climate issues and has the situation been improved or worsened by COVID-19? Well, there are many things, both positive and negative, which have affected the climate as a result of COVID-19. Good things have come from lockdown and travel restrictions, mainly the heavy reduction we've seen in cars and planes being used, which has helped to drop our daily car global carbon emissions by 17% in April. But beyond this, COVID-19 has changed many people's attitudes towards climate change and has changed the way governments are making decisions. A lot of the consequences from this can spell bad news for our climate, but some things could also hopefully be beneficial. Mainly, COVID-19 has disrupted governments and forced them to ignore their climate responsibilities in order to respond to the virus. This has caused many delays in important conferences and international negotiations, with the main one being the reconvening of the 2015 Paris Climate Accord being delayed a year into November 2021. Other negotiations being delayed are the Convention on Biological Diversity, the 2020 UN Ocean Conference, and a meeting that would finalise the High Seas Treaty. Not only that, but governments and companies are now pressured into focusing their time and money on COVID-19 regulations and healthcare, which means many promises and investments for climate action are being delayed or diverted in order to maintain the COVID situation. We are already seeing this in action with many aviation companies being put under strain to maintain low carbon emissions with their sudden loss of revenue this year. And in America, President Trump has issued several orders which allow projects in infrastructure, overfishing and air quality control to have far more lenient or in some cases non-existent guidelines in order to accelerate the economy's recovery. It's not entirely doom and gloom this year, though. The European Commission has put forward a massive 750 billion euro climate stimulus plan to be approved by the 27 member states, 
which would fund sustainable research projects and actions for improving the climate, like renewable energy and zero carbon fuels, such as... Thank you, Will. Over now to Evan Lyons and Max Mullen on the latest sports news. Thanks, Matthew. In rugby news, Ross Byrne has been called up for the England trip at Twickenham in the Autumn Nations Cup on Saturday. It will be the 25-year-old's ninth cap and second start for Ireland as he takes the place of injured out-half Johnny Sexton. Head coach Andy Farrell said Ross has been involved in some big games for Leinster. This is his chance to go to Twickenham and be part of a great team performance. In football news, Mohamed Salah, the Liverpool forward, and Mohamed Elneny, the Arsenal midfielder, have both tested positive for COVID-19. Mohamed Salah was seen dancing with guests at his brother's wedding while Elneny caught it on international duty while playing for Egypt in the Africa Cup of Nations. Both players are expected to miss their weekend games. Ireland face Bulgaria in the UEFA, UEFA Nations League at the Aviva. Stephen Kenny's squad has been ravaged by injuries and illness, with 14 of his original squad unavailable. This match is regarded as a must-win for Kenny and his men, who are yet to record a win. Kickoff is at 7.45 tonight. In tennis, Dominic Thiem beat Rafael Nadal 7-6, 7-6 in a very tight and thrilling affair yesterday in the ATP World Finals. Thiem now sits on top of his group. In the other match of that group, Stefano Tsitsipas overcame Andrei Rublev in the three sets last night, winning 8-6 in a tiebreak in the third set. Today, in the other group, Alexander Zverev just beat Diego Schwartzman 6-3, 4-6, 6-3. Novak Djokovic plays Daniil Medvedev at 8pm later tonight, in which is sure to be an interesting matchup. In GAA news, Fergal Logan has been tipped to take over the Tyrone senior football team. Logan led Tyrone to the 2015 All-Ireland Under-21 title and is seen by many as the man to drive the county on, having managed many of the current senior squad at underage level. In other GAA news, Declan Bonner says Donegal captain Michael Murphy is not getting enough protection from referees. Manager Bonner feels Murphy comes in for special treatment because of his physique and says he was targeted by Armaz players during the Ulster Gaelic football semi-final that Donegal won by two points. Michael gets that attention every day he goes out, said Donegal boss Bonner, who spoke to the referee David Coldrick about Murphy's treatment during the first water break. Bonner also questioned the choice of venue for this Sunday's Ulster final against Cavan, saying the pitch was in a poor state. Donegal could clinch a three in a row of Ulster titles for the first time with victory over Cavan and a potential All-Ireland semi-final meeting with Dublin. That's the sports for today. Back to you, Matty. Thanks, Evan and Max. Next, we have Jonathan Hoffman take, talking us through the business news. Good afternoon. This is the business news. The US dollar currently stands at 84 cents to the euro and the pound sterling is trading at 1 euro 12 cents to the euro. The UK FTSE 100 has risen by 0.31% today after the recent soar in stock prices due to the announcement of a second coronavirus vaccine. The UK's largest car manufacturing plant owned by Nissan has warned that if the United Kingdom and European Union are unable to reach a trade deal at the end of the year, their Sunderland factory will not be sustainable. This statement comes at a crucial time in Brexit negotiations as the deadline for the end of the transition period moves ever closer. 
after nearly two years of scrutiny, corporate upheaval and a standoff with global regulators, Boeing has today won approval from the US Federal Aviation Administration to fly its 737 MAX aircraft once again. The FAA detailed some software upgrades and training changes that Boeing must make for it to resume commercial flights after a 20-month-long grounding imposed after two fatal crashes. The U.S. plane maker's best-selling jet will resume commercial service facing strong headwinds from the coronavirus pandemic, new European trade tariffs, and the uncertainty of many about the safety of the aircraft. That's all for the business news. Thank you, Jonathan. Now to Ethan Swan with the weather. Thanks, Matthew. It will be windy tonight with some showers becoming heavier and more frequent with a risk of hail and some isolated thunderstorms. There will be strong westerly winds throughout the night, easing off in early hours of the morning. It will be a cold night with temperatures of 3 to 5 degrees. Tomorrow it will be cloudy with some, some spells of sunshine. Clouds will build from the west into the evening. That's all for now. Back to you, Matthew. Thanks, Ethan. Next, Hugh Gallen is talking about the traffic. Thanks, Matthew. In our local area, there's some light traffic on Rock Road. Traffic on Cross Avenue is also mild, with a small bottleneck on the junction with Mount Marion Avenue. Traffic on Mount Marion Avenue is heavy in some areas, but overall quite light. Traffic on the N11 is heavy in some places, but overall light. There are several delays being reported across Dublin this afternoon, and the north side has been particularly hit. A major gas leak in Port Marnock means the old Port Marnock Road will remain closed for the rest of the evening due to the incident. Traffic is particularly bad heading onto the Strand Road from the Coast Road. There are delays on the Ballyboogle Road and in Donamede on the Grange Road. While the delays at junctions heading onto Griffith Avenue and heading into Fingless Village, where delays are being reported leaving Cabra. The M50 is busiest southbound from Junction 16 to Junction 5. Remember to stay in your 5km radius unless travelling for essential reasons, and where possible, stay home and stay safe. Thanks Thank you, Matt. Hugh. <laughs> Finally, we have Owen with the news headlines for the day. Norwegian Air seeks appointment of examiner. <clears throat> Norway's government last week wrote out further support for troubled airline. Troubled airline Norwegian Air has sought protection from creditors in the Irish High Court in a bid to rescue the group. Norway's government last week ruled out further aid for the airline group. On Wednesday, Norwegian Air Shuttle confirmed that its Irish subsidiaries would ask the High Court here for protection from creditors and for the appointment of an examiner. Norwegian Air has chosen an Irish, proce- Irish process since its air- aircraft assets are held in Ireland. Norwegian Air has taken this decision in the interest of its stakeholders, a statement said. The Irish registered companies involved in involved include Norwegian Air International and Arctic Aviation Assets. <coughs> COVID vaccine. The coronavirus vaccine developed by Pfizer and BioNTech appears to protect 94% of adults over 65 years old. More data released from their ongoing phase 3 trial suggests it works equally well in people of all ages and ethnicities. The companies say they will now apply for authorization for emergency use of the jab in the US. The findings are based on two doses given to more than 41,000 people around the world. Last week, Pfizer and BioNTech published preliminary data showing the vaccine offered 90% protection against COVID-19 and there were no safety concerns. This was followed by impressive data on another vaccine, made by US company Moderna, suggesting nearly 95% protection. New COVID restrictions. The Minister of State for Employment and Affairs, Damien English, has said the government will announce new restrictions toward the end of next week. 
The Cabinet has analysed the rates of cases over the last four weeks of Stage 5 and feel confident that the country will be able to lessen the restrictions earlier than planned. Businesses are under a huge amount of pressure coming up to Christmas as this would usually be a very busy time for them. 221 hospital staff off work in Limerick due to COVID-19. The number of staff at Limerick's hospital group who are now off work or self-isolating as a result of COVID-19 infection outbreak has risen to 221, up from 161 last week. The group has confirmed that most of these affected work at University Hospital Limerick, the region's acute hospital. Further cases emerged as testing and tracing continued at the hospital last week. One staff member tested positive and then contact tracing affected further members of various hospital teams. Those affected include staff who tested positive for COVID-19 through workplace and community transmission, close contacts of those cases, as well as any staff who are showing symptoms and who are staying off work in line with health guidelines. Up to six wards now have beds blocked as these wards remain closed to new admissions in an effort to curb the outbreak. Back to you, Matthew. Thanks, Owen. Thank you for listening to the evening show. I'm your host, Matthew Cullen, and this was Blackrock College Radio and 94.3 FM. Have a good evening and stay safe.